we, we turn so many things into ultimate things and those things will all leave us bankrupt. That's why I'm always pushing people to say, hey, what's your anchor in? Hey, welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. I'm always your host. I'm here with Thaddeus Searcy today. Thaddeus, what's up, brother? Hey, man, it's good to be here. Yeah. Good to be here. We're going to dive right in. This is exciting. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I'm excited to be here, not just because this is my first time on All In, but also our relationship, the years we've known each other. It's just, it's just an honor to be here, my friend. Well, thanks, my man. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about some pretty hard-hitting stuff. I mean... Nothing new this year. I know. Death, family, Christmas. You know, oh, you're, yeah. you're here because this is our Christmas episode, which is awesome. Mm, Dude, I'm okay, privileged perfect. that you're here. It's awesome. Oh, man. Yeah. Diving right in, I mean, this year, th this has been something on my heart because family is just ripped apart this year, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And no matter what state you're in, I mean, if, if it's New York, if it's California, if it's Illinois, we've got some pretty serious lockdowns going on oh, yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. to the points where governors are telling people not to go see family for the holidays. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, yep. Well. I mean, that's a, I thought we were going to start with the high fives and the, I know, right? you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, this year, if you can think through the process that a lot of people went on early on in the year, thinking through what this COVID might mean personally, individually, I mean, we've all had to walk through different types of scenarios or, or like how uh, David said, let us, you know, let us teach us God to consider our days, yeah, you know, man. But I think just like you talk a lot about on your podcast, man, it's always about pivoting, changing. How do you take a scenario that may seem dramatically different than it has been in the past? And how do you turn it into something amazing? So uh, <laughs> I love I, that. Most of the people that I'm around and I joke about this in my sermons off and on about how my kids are there e-learning and it's like, they never leave. Now I say that in jest, you know, I got four kids, high schooler thinks she knows everything. Can't you go outside or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they yeah. never leave. But, um, you know, I'm a spiritual guy. I think everything is spiritual. And I think about this idea of, let's just say, turning the hearts of the fathers back to the children, right? So... You can either sit back and say, this is the worst Christmas. This is, you know, this is a struggle. I'm tired of being with the people. Or you can sit back in your own home and invest in those people. Now, I know I told you this. Uh, we just started getting a whole bunch of CrossFit gear. And my boys, for the first time, they don't have a PE class. Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're with me in the gym every night. We're, doing, we're hitting weights. We're doing box jumps. And what I'm realizing is that even though this has changed the way all of us work and all of us do life on a, on the home front, I'm able to connect more with the people I love, with the people that mean, I mean, everything to me. So that's, that's why I think, especially during the Christmas time, how we need to pivot, how we need to dive in or go all in with those relationships that actually matter. The people that run around the world looking like you, you know? And so that's, I, I mean, I think that's the starting point that we've taken in our home. You know, that's awesome, man. I, I love the, the approach you take to this too, because it's, it's funny in one sense that you've got your kids around all the time 
you know, and all the time. My kids have been around <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all the time. The, the fridge is always, yeah. there's always food missing. I mean, they're just there all the time. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I, my kids have been involved in e-learning or even before COVID. Okay. You know, I've talked okay. about this for, before on the show, but it's been, uh, it's been interesting seeing that transition because we went through it early on too, but they found like their own place in the house. Right. Okay. And our house is larger, you know, it's like, sure, it's sure. almost 5,000 square feet. There's places to go. Oh yeah. But, oh yeah. They are, they got their own office. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. But when we were filming Liberty Lockdown, the, the movie that, which you were in, which yep. was awesome. Oh man, it's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. The, uh, we were filming some kids that were having difficulties with e-learning and what most of America really is, is, you know, that 1500 square foot home. Oh yeah. You know, that yeah. 2,500 square foot home to where it's harder to separate yourselves, you know, or maybe you have more kids cause you have four kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's not just the separation, but I, I really, I mean, how many families have two individuals working in yeah, the home? Yeah. And they're, they're struggling. And then the kids are, you know, even for us, we've had to manage with our oldest daughter watching the others when I had to go off and do something, or if Joanna had to do something. And so there's so many layers where people have had to shift. But I think, I think, especially in line with the way you're talking to the people that are watching your podcast is, I mean, all of life, you have to be ready for these pivots. They, I mean, change is, it's, I mean, we, who knew you would start off with an IT company and then end up doing podcasts and reaching out sure. and all of the security stuff. So you've had to pivot. And if you don't have an, uh, just a healthy view of change and pivoting, I mean, you're not going to be able to navigate through anything in life because it's always, it's always shifting. It's always changing. Yeah. The separation this year has been rough. I know on a lot. And Oh Yeah. The perspective of the kids, too, is something I like to think about in what's going on. Because as adults, we're thinking, oh, this sucks. <laughs> you know, I can't, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I can't get away from my kids at this point or Christmas, which we're talking about. Uh, we can't see our family, you know, if parents are still alive. You know, I know both of yours pass and we'll, we'll get into that, too. Yeah. But my mom has a stroke victim husband. They, they aren't going anywhere yeah. because of oh, that. Yeah. He's in that high risk category because of all this. So nobody's seeing them. We usually host, you know, my family usually hosts all the time. Yeah. We have both sides of the family over same time and have these big, amazing parties for Christmas. And this year it's just like crickets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then it's, I've seen it with our kids that it's kind of hit them the hardest from their perspective because we're, right. we're yeah. going to Florida because that state's open, you know, we get actually <laughs> for Christmas, yeah, but, yeah. but two, two out of the three of my kids, they, they were saying, well, I don't think I want to go. You know, we want to see grandma. We want to see grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I go back and forth with my wife about this, but I feel, you know, as a church, uh, we were always live. That was our bread and butter. And from one week to the next, we had to find a camera team, get figure out the logistics of it, and come up with something that we could present online. Yeah, that was it, impressive. Literally one week yeah. to the next. And what now that we're in this world, even though we're hoping everything opens and that things come back live, we realized 
how big our reach was. Yeah. Just by being on a different platform, we had uh, our Easter video hit 10,000 views. Yeah, that you was know? incredible. So, so yeah. we're seeing the shift, but our kids, you know, we're on the tail end of Gen X. You know, our kids are, this is the world they're going to live in. Yeah. So I'm, I think them being on Zoom, and I don't think anything's ever going to replace that tangible touch. But I'm embracing it because I feel like our kids are going to be better prepared for the world that's coming, where things are going to be more digital. I mean, I would imagine they would have, uh, you know, meetings where, you know, it's holograms and you you never really have to be in person if you unless you want to. So we're using this opportunity even as as a church, like after service, people wanted to have that fellowship. So what do we do? Open up a Zoom call. 250 people show up on a Zoom call. Hey, how are we doing? Tell some jokes. And you get this little <laughs> That's fantastic. fellowship. And, and you'll notice with your own kids, what are they doing now? They're on Fortnite. Why are they playing Fortnite incessantly? We played games too, but it was Mike Tyson punch out and everybody had to be in the room. But yeah. my kids are, they're friends, the people they connect with, they're talking trash. This is the new wave. And so at some level, they're going to be better prepared for this digital world that we're already really living in. So that's how... You know, it doesn't take away from the the richness of, you know, and that's probably if I had one point of, you know, grief, I wonder for the older people, let's say you're in the final stages of life, you're in your yeah, 80s, yeah. you're in your 90s. Uh, I would risk it, I think. I would come out if you were my my son and my grandkids, I think I would risk it because you have to vow you have to weigh out the quality of life versus you know, the risk. Sure. And what are you giving up? And that that's who I grieve for the most, at least during this time, people that are more susceptible, the older people. So, yeah. but Hey, Zoom works for them too. It does. That's <laughs> the impressive thing, man. I, I'll never forget too, my wife's uh, grandmother that, I mean, we're talking, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it was, and she was in her eighties. And this is when really the internet was flying, you know, it was around for maybe eight years at this point, which mm. was still kind of new. Oh yeah. And I remember you know, I even think of like the cell phones and how they thought senior citizens, you know, the elderly always wanted like the big number phones, you know, <laughs> so that they, they were the stereotyped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. This is what you want. Well, no, really. But then I look at my grandmother-in-law, if I mm -hmm. couldn't call her that, and she's making greeting cards and doing all these other things on her computer that she has. And today it's like Zoom, even with the, the older generation is just caught on so fast. Oh, so fast. And so it's fast. cool to see that it's like we underestimated everybody, I think, in this mm -hmm. and even underestimated how how much one side of people might just obey just blindly. And the other side of people would be like, you know what? Maybe I do want to go risk it. Yeah. Because yeah. you get into your 70s and 80s yep. and you're thinking it's like, well, if it's not the COVID, what, what else is it going to be? Is it going to be the flu next year? You know, that's going to take somebody because we had a flu sure. pandemic 12 yeah. years ago. Yep. Right. That, that, and it always hits the elderly even more so. What's going to happen then? Are we going to say no family at that point? You know, you, but you, you have to embrace the change. Yeah. People in general resist change. We hate change. We, you know, we, we develop a way of doing life. And then when something else comes up, we're, we're dreaming for it to go back to the way it was rather than embracing the new and moving forward. And I think as long as you can keep that mindset, and I don't want to pretend like I didn't, I wasn't worried. Like I didn't have this feeling of like, oh my God, what's this going to look like? 
But at some point, you got to just embrace the journey and go and, and, and allow that change to be the, the new norm at whatever level it looks like. Yeah. So. That's great for adults. You know, and I'm with you on that. How do you help our kids <laughs> during this time? You know, I mean, what do you tell everyone that attends Freedom? Because kids are struggling during this time. I mean, I told oh, you yeah. about my kids, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, on a, uh, this has been a weird year because everyone has had a different perspective and we had to be, uh, we had to be aware yeah. of other people's positions. So, um, but you'll find some people want their kids to hang out with other kids. Some people allow their kids to do certain things. I mean, if the kids in the neighborhood that are in the same school system with my kids, every, we talk with their parents, everybody had their COVID tests and on their recess, they come over and they play ball. You know, kids are, are, kids are always looking to us for leadership. They're looking to us to see if everything's okay. And yeah. if, just same way with your corporation, same way with the church. If I walk into Freedom Church and I say, hey guys, this, the sky is falling. We're not going to make it. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Then all of a sudden, everybody loses hope. And kids, even at a, at a greater degree, um, they're watching us. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm always reaff reaffirming um, how, who they're going to be in life, how this is going to happen, the friendships they need to be you know, cultivating during this time. And so I'm hoping that um, they come through this with a, a bit more of a perspective. And when, when, you know, being in a church situation, when people die, I'm very honest with my friends about the realities of life and why we're in this predicament and what's going on and who's at risk. So I want them to be well-informed and aware of this whole situation so that when we get to the other side of it, hopefully they'll be grateful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, this wasn't normal before I used to have to sit in my, my room and talk to people through the screen, but now here I am. So now our hearts should be filled with gratitude when we get to the other side of it. So that's how, at least in for sure, personally, how I'm dealing with my family. I was at uh just lunch with my oldest son the other day. Now, how, how old is your oldest? He's 13. Okay. Yeah. And he's, he was talking about one of his friends and I think it was about COVID we were talking about, you know, and they, they were his parents because everybody has different views, you know, and I was saying, you know, well, everybody's perspective, at least in their own mind, yeah. is right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm, my 13 year old understands this, you know, and he starts asking these questions. I'm like, well, you're pretty dead on because this is more of a logical conversation that we're having rather than one that's based on fear. Mm -hmm. And he, he just <laughs> like puts his head down and he goes, Dad, thank you for always being honest with us. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's important because kids all they're really looking for in parents i think anyways is vulnerability mm. just mm. the straight truth and even sometimes that even means saying i don't know yeah to yeah. your kids yeah absolutely and saying but i don't know but we're still gonna go through this journey together <laughs> i'll take the first step i'm your dad i'm i'm leading that's yeah. cool but you're gonna be right beside me oh man that that vulnerability that honesty is something I think that, I mean, that's, you could close the podcast on that because it's, it's, it's real, you know, in, um, in our situation, I, I mean, our kids have, and especially pastoring and a larger church, I mean, we have deaths, we have people going through crazy stuff. We had a guy, uh, a good friend of mine who was attending the church, 44 years old, had a stroke hmm. and, uh, 
you know, he's, he's still on life support. And so as these situations, they're always coming through our household. And you'll notice, you know, the younger kids, they don't know what's going on. But my oldest is 15 and she's aware. And the more honest I am, and even with my own feelings in relation to uh, these weightier topics of life, w- when they see that, they gravitate to that they, and they understand and they're able to process better. I think that's the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning of the fear of God. When you know, That's why the psalmist says, teach us to number our days. I was having a conversation with my oldest and she was, I said, you've never thought about death. And she was like, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> and I think back in my own life, how I went through so many years just believing I was invincible. Oh yeah, man. Until yeah. something happens and then you become awakened to the reality of yeah. life and these things. And, and, but once you become awakened to that reality, then you can actually process and you realize it's kind of like um, if you were a procrastinator all your life, you know, some of us are just born that way. When you get to the last, you know, the last day you start writing the paper, you start studying at the last minute. Cause you know, tomorrow I got to do this. Yeah. But what if life were on this, this board, this, this sheet, where you realized, okay, this isn't going to be forever. How would you now then navigate through today and through the next week and through the next month? So the sooner people understand that reality and they can walk in that, they start living more on purpose. That's how, you know, so that's, that's something that, and you know, every child is different, you know, Um, your son is, is super sharp and he's thinking deeply about life. And so he's, he's the type of person that'll be able to handle that and move forward with that. So uh, it's valuable for even for adults to consider our days, consider, you know, time and, and be purposeful about our lives. Yeah. So being ordained myself, I was a pastor in a couple of churches. And when you're talking about, you know, that, I mean, we met. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, we they, don't, they don't know this. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to expose everything on all in, but I, I love this brother here. But the first time I met Rick, he actually led worship at my church with a guitar. This guy can sing and play and he rocked the house. So, so in that world, I mean, we're talking about vulnerability, right? And honesty. And there's a balance that you kind of have to be conscious of, especially when you're a pastor. Yeah. You know, and I didn't, I didn't work so well in that mode from a counseling perspective because I was always just a little bit, just head on. And even though I had compassion in my heart, there was still just this welling up inside of me it's like you know i'm praying to god i can't get a job you know and i'm like show up to the interviews you just told me you missed the interview last week you don't have a job it's not god's fault you slept in you know (laughs) but that's the approach i would take yeah it's a bible verse that says he who chases fantasies will end in destruction Hmm. but he who works his land will prosper you know the bible isn't this story of you know even uh, what is the in Hebrews it says run with endurance. That means as I as I'm waiting on God, I'm running, I'm moving, I'm I'm making, I'm I'm making edgeway towards something. It's not this idea of just sitting back and and letting it fall. I I uh, I remember a story and it was a it was a guy who had come in and him and his wife were going back and forth and. Uh, he didn't have a job at the time. And I said, is he applying? She said, yeah, every day. I said, well, he keeps swinging. Someday he's going to hit something. Yeah, right on. I had a buddy uh, in college it, when he graduated, he, he, he went to 17 interviews. And on the 18th interview, he got a job making a half a million a year. 
you know? So it's about working and being available and always looking at opportunities. When I first uh, went into ministry, you know my story. And I started off in corporate America. I have a BS from uh, the Lumpkin School of Business. And my passion was just making money until God had a different plan. And one of the things I told uh, the Lord early on is that if I ever get an opportunity to do something, I'm going to say yes. Now, granted, as the church grows and things get different, it's different. But for the most part, when anyone asks me to do something or go somewhere or speak somewhere, I say yes. And those opportunities then create other opportunities and, and other things start to fall. So I would say like, man, don't, you know, don't give up and don't pretend like, uh, you know, God's co-signing laziness or, God, you know, he, yeah. he, he's not, he's not co-signing. And now don't get me wrong. I, I believe that God, that he's sovereign, that he's working things out, but he, he limits his own sovereignty so that we have freedom so that we have freedom of the will and our decisions actually have real consequences. So I, I just want to pressure people to say, hey, take responsibility for yeah. the outcomes of your life and don't and don't give up. You're you're a prime example when you really think about it. And in order to do that, uh, you have to fight through the rejection. You have to fight through uh, the pain of thinking you might not be good enough. You have to fight. You know how we grew up. Oh, yeah, you man. have to fight through your own history. You have to fight through all of the naysayers, all of the people in your past that, that know you as Rick, as he used to be. How could he be running this company? How could Thaddeus be doing? You have to fight through all of these things and keep on fighting. Don't give up. It's also the people in your present, too. Oh. So through all the levels of success or failure, that you start to achieve, there's a rejection that comes in many different forms. Oh, oh. They, yeah. they call them haters, I think. Right still. on, yeah. You, you got a ton of them. <laughs> we, you, can't, <laughs> you read the comments on uh, this again. <laughs> I mean, I, we, you know, yeah. I don't know who it was. Drake or somebody said, I don't read comments. You yep, know, yep. I, I, once we started getting on a bigger platform, I just quit reading comments. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. They, it doesn't matter. You, you haven't done anything significant if you don't have haters, you know? And I think in, in, at any level of leadership, you have to have close people that have known you forever that you can talk to and be open with and honest with. But there's a lot of people that will come around that want something from you that are looking for this. And you just have to, you just have to be very aware yeah, and yeah. very perceptive. So Always be grateful and confident in your own decisions, too. If I oh. go back to my kids when we pulled them out of public school and put them in online private school, mm -hmm. you know, it's, <laughs> they, they have teachers you know, they have Zoom rooms for live classes and there's self-taught stuff, almost like YouTube learning style, right? And then they take exams and everything else. Half of their courses are self-taught. But I remember, man, even close family was, was like, what the hell are you doing? You know? <laughs> you know? And this was like nine months before COVID, okay? Yes, <laughs> so, I mean, yes. E even the rejection can come from those closest to you. Most of the time, the, the harshest rejection can come from those who are closest to you. Oh man, man. And, and, uh, you know, when you were just saying that I had so many <laughs> thoughts running through my own head. I, when I left corporate America and I, I had a six figure job and, and I was 22, 23 yeah. and I left and I remember my dad saying, why, why would you do this? And I was like, dad, it's just a passion of mine. And he could, he, he couldn't wrap his mind around why I was doing that. And then when I looked I look later on in life, 
um, when, when I was pastoring another large church, I thought I had arrived. Part of the insecurity that I think I brought into that was that I didn't think I should have been a pastor. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't wow. think I had the ability to do that. And it wasn't until really even with Freedom Church where I just said, you know what? I just started trusting and saying, God, if you got me here and you put me in this position, then you've made me for this, for such a time as this. And that we live in a, a world, Rick, where most men, and I hear about this in counseling behind the scenes over and over, most men are living with a lack of praise and it's devastating. You know, this is why we'll fight for our moms because, you know, mom would come around and mom, you could be yeah. raggedy. And mom would be like, you're going to be the best. You're going to be the president. You know, she just, <laughs> moms have this sort of unconditional belief in, in their kids. And we're, yeah. we still need that. Um, but typically I would, I always tell women, Hey, if you're married to somebody, when was the last time you said you're great at this, you're good at, and I think having those key people around us, the family, your, your wife, your kids, and that support mechanism and using that strength out when you're facing rejection and everything else, it definitely helps. Yeah. So, and that's one of the things I try to do whenever I get young men at the church or, or young women, I say, Hey, you don't understand you're 18 now. You have your whole life ahead of you. You can do anything. Let me show you this path. Let me show you this path. How much money do you want to make? Where do you want to be in 10? You know, and you start encouraging them and speaking that life into them and boom, yeah. they become incredible human beings. It's so. interesting how you're talking about men that way. And I look at the reciprocal with women because men, it's words, right? It's, hey, you're great at this. With women, it's more actions. Oh. from men to women, <laughs> right? Because it, it, and it's things that it should be things that she doesn't even ask you to do. Oh my God, Rick, <laughs> you, you, you're hired at Freedom Church, okay? Because if you could just say that to, so in counseling, so men, when when we're born, see our emotional, I'm I'm at a podcast right now. Yeah, that's the only thing I'm doing. My, my brain when I was born was saturated with testosterone, which makes my emotional pathway like a country road. It's dull. In other words, I'm only thinking about this right now, but women, their brains are saturated with estrogen. And so their emotional pathway is, is an information super highway. So if my wife were here, she would be here talking to you thinking about the e-learning, wondering what email she has to send, thinking about work the next day. She, she has a thousand boxes open where I, here I am. I have one box open and maybe another, like, where are we going to eat after this? You know, she has a thousand open. So the number one need, especially in relationships for women across the board, and these are just studies, it, it, it's, it's, it's very simple. It's closing boxes. The word yeah. is affection, but affection is uh, essentially thinking through their problems before they have to. <laughs> so I'm always telling people, you want to get married. Okay. Yeah. Here's what you have to do. You have to think through the, pro so now it's about to get cold. So when it gets cold and the snow starts falling, I wake up and I'm going to go scrape the car if I need to. If there's dishes in the, I'm going to go wash the dishes, or at least I, I got old enough kids. I'm going to make them do it. Uh, but it's closing all of those boxes, you know? And if, if guys ever figured that, that out, we would be much better off in our relationships. Coming tomorrow with Christmas, what, what are, 
there's actions that the dudes can do just getting up in the morning, man. Oh man. I mean, get her coffee, you know, make sure that the kids are fed because Christmas, I mean, most are spending at home. Most aren't taken off to Florida. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But spending that time at home, you know, maybe there's some extra presents that need to be wrapped and you know what, am I a great gift wrapper? Yeah. I'm okay, mm-hmm. but does it matter at this point, you know, versus it just being done, you know, cause if it's a box, it's a literal box, it could be closed. Well, I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to really help the guys out, uh, on this, help on the this guys podcast, out. <laughs> top four, okay. Affection, closing boxes. And that's everything. When I think about the stuff that I used to argue about, I mean, now it, it's a five minute mission. My wife wants me to go on. And I don't have time. No, man, I will get up. I'll move. Okay. You want me to do what? Okay. And I'm, I don't look around. I'm yes. Okay. That's it. I'll do it. But you got to start thinking through what is it that she's walking around saying, Hey man, I was just worried about this. Or I was saying, and so now you're proactively thinking along the lines with her. So affection is number one. Second biggest thing for women is communication and conversation. That's how we won. That's how, that's how I won my wife. I was sending her letters, an email, text during the day. Hey, babe, just thinking about you. Love you. Blah, 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 blah. And then when you get married and now you're in it, you're kind of familiar and you just let it all slide. And so reminding yourself that she's a, a communicative person that you have to conversate with the same way you won her over, you got to keep doing that. And then the third one, which is huge, openness and honesty. But don't, I mean, my wife knows all of my Facebook, I mean, it's Instagram, whatever. If if somebody texts me some type of weird comment, I'm like, hey, Joe, come here. Well, why don't you respond to this? You know, openness and honesty. And then this is a big one, especially during the holidays, because, man, we get so distracted um, prioritizing the family, mm-hmm. making, you know, look at the way your wife lights up when you go and watch that terrible musical play with all these random kids and your kid has a one minute piece and then you're sitting there and but but the fact that you make your family a priority to her these are these are huge triggers in the minds of women so that's usually where i i when i'm counseling a couple like hey have you thought about these steps because our minds are just wired differently yeah guys are easy we want we want sexual intimacy that's always number one uh, especially for the younger guys, it kind of goes down a little bit, but it's always there. Um, and then this is a big one, ladies, if you're, if you're watching, um, recreational companionship, every guy has something that he, do, that he's an expert in that has nothing to do with his job. I play golf. I you can ask me a question about a golfer or a club or a this or that. I mean, I spend countless hours doing it with buddies of mine and we're not really talking. We're just connecting in this way. And then the the other two, which we kind of hit on for for guys is respect and praise. You know, we, every guy knows when they're being disrespected. That's why I don't disrespect you, Rick. You know, you we we have a radar of disrespect. And so mm-hmm. we we um and and we'll fight it out and then we'll be back friends again. You know, that's how <laughs> guys are. And then the last one is praise. Um and there's probably a lot of listeners that have never sat back and gone to their husband and said, Hey, you're great. I think I'm so glad you did this. Even if you make more money than them, that's not really the issue. It's whether or not you're, wor- you're bringing words of affirmation into your home and encouragement. So that's, I mean, 
that's about all I got in terms of marriage. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a good two minute snippet of how, how you can. Maybe... I love it. There's going to be stressors this year, too, with Christmas on this. Oh, yeah. It's a, especially the isolation, man. You know, for those that can't see family this year, you know, and of course it varies state by state, but then you're also hitting on uh, all of these things, man. It isn't even just married couples. It has to do with even just communicating with your kids, loving on your kids. Oh, yeah. They need everything you just referenced right there <laughs> and uh, multiplied times 10 this year. Yeah. Especially because look at the pressures that they've got, man. I mean, they're having to learn in a completely different way. Yeah. And I remember the first three months with my kids, it was just like we were living in the seventh level of hell <laughs> during the first three months of the of this type well, of learning, well, right? Did, didn't you and, think at the end of last year, I don't know if you were the same way, but it was like a month where we had left. And I was kind of like, whatever. You know, yeah. like one of those, like, it's fine. It's fine. Yep. What'd you get on that test? Don't worry about don't worry. it. And then I didn't realize, oh, you know, we got a whole nother year of this. Yep. And then it's like, okay. So I, I, when you said seventh level of hell, I felt that. <laughs> no joke. But th those are the pressures they're feeling too. Yeah. You know, and th then if it, they're lacking family this year, because kids are used to seeing their cousins, they're used to seeing their grandparents on Christmas, they're used to receiving gifts, right? And this year, we were just talking about this, that we're not really even doing any gifts this year. Mm. You know, we're just going away. And even with like a gift exchange and everything, we've been this way for a few years now because like we're in a good position. Yeah. Right. And my kids can have literally almost everything that they want, which I'm so grateful for that, man. But it was one of my kids ideas two years ago to be like, you know what? Instead of our grandparents or our aunts and uncles getting us gifts this year. Right. Can, can we feed some kids? You know, and this was at the time, it was my eight-year-old who was asking this question. It's like, that's great. So we set up a, a page with a, oh, a, a local charity yeah. and, to where everybody could give to this charity instead of giving us gifts. Sure. And I, I think to now, like it's next to impossible in a lot of states to even gift, get together for a gift exchange. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really like bringing us back to the meaning. It's like, what really is Christmas, man? Oh, man. <laughs> man. Because it's like, it's, I see it as like all of the, all of the stuff that we thought was so important. And this is like bringing it full circle to what you were talking about at the Absolutely. beginning. Absolutely. Was just completely stripped away this year. Mm. To <laughs> where it's like back to the central unit. Absolutely. Well, well, the, uh, you know, if I were to define the Old Testament, I would say it's a, it's a history of our propensity towards idolatry. And idolatry is when you take good things and turn them into ultimate things. Hmm. And we can do this with anything. And any of those things that is not the ultimate thing can be stripped away. That's why they call Christ an anchor. Uh, you know... Uh, of of my my story and how I was in a place where I felt as in terms of ministry, I had arrived. I'm an $8 million building, I, you know, this and that. And people look at me a certain way when I walk in the room and, and you'd like to st say I'm humble. I don't feel that, but you can't, you know, but when that was all taken away, it would be like, you know, reach out IT going bankrupt tomorrow, you know, and this is something where you're defined by, and, and in my head, 
I found I made some of those things ultimate things. And I mm. didn't realize it until it was all taken away that I didn't even need those things. And then now on the other side of it, God gave us a building twice as big. And I don't, I don't want to say I don't, I don't care as much. I don't because it's a thing. And the ultimate things, the things that, that God deems valuable are, is him and you. That's it. <laughs> love God, yeah. love others. The only thing Christ said for us to do was have a glass of wine with friends around a table talking about the great stuff he did. Because he didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. So when I think about Christmas, I mean, these are the principles your, your kids are learning at this age. And sometimes mm -hmm. people, when they're watching this podcast or they see somebody in, in a position of success, they think, oh, they don't have any problems. Because in their mind, they think if I had enough money, all the problems would go away. But you can attest, it just makes the problems different. Yeah. Makes yeah. them bigger in some ways. And, and some way you get now yeah. you're worried about staff, you're worried about employees, you're worried about other people. And so some things get a little bit more complicated. But once that, once that, that, even that, the idea of if I had enough money, that the, the, the subtlety of the idolatry. We, we turn so many things into ultimate things, and those things will all leave us bankrupt. That's why I'm always pushing people to say, hey, what's your anchor in? And if it's not in something that's immovable and shakable, you might find yourself. It could, it could be your health. It could be uh, even your kids and your family yeah. members. All, I mean, I did a funeral for a guy who lost his child tragically. And so these are moments in life where you have to have hope in something beyond. So there's a phrase I heard one time that says, you know, money doesn't solve all your problems, but it sure does help. Oh man. <laughs> I, I, uh, I like a better one. I've never seen anyone mad on a sea do. <laughs> <Okay? So, laughs> that's, that's fantastic. No, but I mean, but ultimately, I mean, money is a tool Yeah. to accomplish. We couldn't have the church building. We couldn't rehab it. We couldn't move forward without money. Yeah. I mean, these are the money, mo the, there's a, um, a, the Bible says money ans answereth all things in the earth. And so you have to have something in order to produce other things. And, uh, I salute to you. I know you, you have a philanthropy piece to you and now your kids are doing it. And so that's awesome, man. So that's if, a lot they, of fun. if they want to feed other kids, you're more than welcome to come to my house and then you can feed these. <laughs> my son, I don't know. He just, he's growing and all he yeah. does is eat. So <laughs> I feel the same way, especially with my 13-year-old who's a swimmer too, man. And oh, my uh, goodness. It's like an a, a empty hole. It is. It's incredible how he comes home and eats four 12-inch quesadillas. You know, just with... And then an hour later, he's like, Dad, exactly. Dad, what's, yep. what's, what, what are we eating for dinner? We yeah. ate dinner. Oh, my God. Oh, man. It's, uh, there's a lot of people too that have thrived through this you know, the past several months from a financial perspective. Oh yeah. And this year it's like, you know, if you don't have family around to give gifts to them, meaning extended family, your kids and everything, there's so many other places that it can go. Oh yeah. This year. I mean, even to, to a church, for example, hey, to support those things. We're, we're, we're more than open. If people want to go to freechurch.org, you, you're more than welcome. But yeah. I think, um, giving is such a personal thing. Yeah. You know, and it, I don't want to get too preachy, but I would say to be, you know, led, led by the spirit, led by God. 
And we all know scenarios. And when you get wind of a scenario of someone that's hurting in this season, what would it hurt to give them a hundred dollars, give them two hundred dollars, give them a food thing so they can go out and have a dinner or buy gifts for their kids or, you know, so just I would just challenge people to be aware of their surroundings because I, I don't think anything happens by chance. And when you see somebody and I'm not saying just anywhere down the street, you know, somebody doing drugs. And I'm not talking about that. I'm saying there, there's people you're connected to that, you know, maybe they've lost a job. Maybe one of the parents have lost a job and you're in a position where you can bless them and help them. I would say, man, that's when you get that prompting, that's that's what I would call God talking to you, moving on your heart. So. That's incredible, man. Hopefully more people do that this season. That'd be great. And being Christmas Eve, it it might be a little late to rein in the spending a bit this year, but maybe look around at the, at the gifts you bought and be like, you know what, maybe, maybe we can take half of these back. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, I know it's a tall challenge, uh, but does it really matter? You know, Or maybe half those gifts you bought for your kids or whoever can go somewhere else because that's part of the pivot too, Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Because if everything's yeah. been stripped away and so many... In most years, most quote unquote normal years, open up new credit cards, you know, and go into major <sighs> yeah. debt to give their kids or families just these amazing, Chris, lavish Christmas days. Sure. And when that's really not what matters to begin with. And I remember, you know, and I don't even know if my family listens to my show, but that's okay. But gift giving was almost more of like an obligation. Mm. And I hated that, man. Which is why th- <laughs> there's this huge philanthropic side of me because I I love to give. The giving to me is more about what it does for the other person oh, man. or the organization. And it, let's shift that around. Maybe take some of those gifts and I don't know. I'm just, this is just brainstorming here. It's like, here's the half for my kids, but then we're going to give this other half and be like, hey, you know what? Let's go drop these off somewhere Yeah, at a yeah. church or something because yeah. maybe there, there's a, a family who lost the, their mom or their dad this year because of yes. COVID. Yes. And now they're, they're on a single income yep. and they can't do much this year. Yeah. So let's go do that. I mean, you enroll your kids into that mindset and they're going to learn to, to go that way and they're oh, yeah. going to stay that way. And if you don't think that they can, you know what, it's going to suck this year and you're going to really see where their heart is. But this is the hard part to see. This is why I was no good at the counseling part. Either. <laughs> you know, it, it is because, <laughs> yeah, because if they, if they scream and, and throw fits and everything like that, it's like, parents, you've got to put a mirror in front of yourself because yeah. the only way that they have that mindset that they deserve or are entitled is because of the environment that's been created for them already. Yeah. Yeah. This is a su- this is such an awesome year in a positive way because because everything sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can just take away some of those things and say, hey, let, let's just flip our mindset here. Yep, and see what really matters. Well, you know, um, not just as a church, but uh, we've always gone and fed the homeless. Um, these are these are uh, specific things we're doing with our young people so that they have a different perspective. I don't want to talk about the ways uh, that I give. I feel like it's it's kind of between me and God. But um, specifically, I think about um, the brother who's gone through the stroke, and then I think about his kids. Yeah, and I could I'm, I would I just imagine where my family would be if the tables were turned. You know, and those are the type of stories that I want to come along and bless and give to and help them. Yeah, kind of 
it's 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 not going to replace the fact that dad is in a bad place but it's a little glimmer of hope it's the, this is the gospel it's the good news that that when you don't deserve anything you know something comes along that just sparks that hope and if you could get you know you got 100,000 people watching if you could get a, a a portion of those people thinking that way what kind i mean in those little small areas the effect that it could have being would be just just incredible that's incredible. phenomenal dude you left me up all the time and you always have Likewise, ever since we met <laughs> and i i enjoy watching on sunday too at freechurch.org oh man dude and, you've been a big part of, of the mission since day one so that shout out to rick he has definitely helped us with our production and guys are incredible so appreciate absolutely you. check out the easter video from this year but but for christmas this year too go to freechurch.org oh yeah and, and we and we got some fun stuff coming once we uh, decide to fully open our doors and everything seems right where we're at it's going to be uh it's going to be a wave it's, gonna it's be cool it. that the streaming stuff is never going to stop now no no it's got <laughs> it's too late it's over yep, you got it right on <laughs> man anything you want to leave with people today that just one thing to grab to man um hope you know hope anything that pulls the plug on hope is not from god so keep hoping keep believing keep moving forward set set goals set a vision and just just know that the future you know your latter days are better the days that are ahead are better so i would just say keep hoping especially during this season Love it. Now we'll high five. Hey, the there end. we go. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool, brother. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. <laughs>